Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, and I'm joined today by Megan Boxall. How are you doing, Megan? I'm very well, thanks, John. Excellent. You're a new podcast editor, aren't you? I am, yes. Yeah, lots of yeah. exciting stuff planned yep. there, haven't you? Yeah, big plans. Excellent. Big plans for the new role. Can't very wait. So, so here we are in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good way to kick it off. Absolutely. Right. And Simon Thompson, how are you, Simon? I'm great to be here in person, John. Indeed. What a rare treat. What a rare treat. I know, but the rarer the treat, the better it is. That's true. And you're going to be talking to us today about Barking Shares. It's that time of year. I've uh, published my 10 stock picks for 2018, and hopefully they will deliver the goods again. In, I'm pretty sure they will, because they certainly did last year, didn't they? They put in 30%, or three times better than the markets. Amazing. Amazing. So we're going to talk uh, at length about bargain shares. We're not going to give anything away because you have to go buy the magazine for that. But we're going to talk about what happened last year and, and some of the sort of general principles around how you go about selecting uh, those companies, those bargain shares. Uh, absolutely. And uh, as we can see from the um, 2016 portfolio, which underperformed slightly that year, it absolutely roared ahead in 2017. Um, so there are lessons to be learned, John. Absolutely. Well, let's learn them in a minute. Let's start with the news. We're not going to go too much into the news this week because I think we, we do want to focus on bargain shares. But it's been an interesting news week. We've had all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, the lead news story is, is around Capita, which has had an extraordinarily awful profit warning. I think the shares were down about 40%. Mm. And funnily enough, obviously, this, this comes in the wake of the Carillion collapse uh, a couple of weeks back. And we spoke about it on last week's podcast, in fact, talking why, talking about why we thought Capita had some problems which might come back to haunt it. And lo and behold, here we are. But another company that's not been having a great time is IQE, which, mm. uh, which you're going to talk about, Megan, which you've written about this week. Yeah, it, the share price has just been, well, it's been, it had a really bad couple of months. Um, to be fair, let's start at the beginning, because it had an amazing yeah, year. It, were, it was one of the top performing companies last year, the shares were up 379% between January and November of 2017. It's a company you've looked at as well in the past, I, isn't I, it, Simon? I look, not, not only looked at it, I put the readers in, gosh, early 20 pence um, many moons ago, and I gave up on it about three years ago when it was still early 20 pence. And um, and in the in the short term, that was the right call, but um, it had its heyday last, last year. I mean, I, I just looked at the stock price chart, and from sub-20 pence, it was up to about £1.80 at one mm. stage, I think it was. Which so more, was just, more than more than three or four hundred percent, I mean. Yeah, it was just a huge, huge share price rise last year, up until November. Right, so IQE, I mean, let's talk about what it does. Uh, it makes semiconductor, well, it makes a component of a semiconductor. The wafers. So, yeah, a re- very, very small part of a slightly larger part of a component of technology hardware. So, mm-hmm. specifically what IQE does is, or its current sort of big project, is something that helps the iPhone 10 recognise your face. They're called Vixels. I think it's how you say it, which is just VC. S-E-L in capital letters. That would do. Excel. Um, yeah, so the, this was their big sort of... Um, the big hook last year was the, the launch of the iPhone X with this crucial component made by IQE. Is this is this what drove up the share price? It was, I think, one heights? of the reasons that, yeah, sent the share price soaring because being a supplier to Apple is, is great. And it is also... Is it great? Well, well, we'll come on to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> because we've had another recent example where it's not been so great. No, I mean, it can be... Terrible. But yeah, we'll come on to that. But just for now, having a component in the biggest f- smartphone of all time, I mean, it's, it's been good. It's going to, IQ is going to start generating revenue, like proper revenue rather than just what it was doing before, which was kind of like 
not really proper revenues. <laughs> <laughs> revenues, revenue. Yeah, it was. Which is substantial. Revenue. No, it was the revenue I was generating before was to develop parts. Now it's actually going to generate revenue by delivering those parts. So okay. it's, it's higher quality revenue is what the analysts are saying. All of the analysts that are covering IQ at the moment still have it on a buy rating. And actually, apparently one of the reasons that the share price or one of the reasons that people have suggested the share price was rising so much last year was people wanted to invest in a semiconductor company. And after Arm went to Japan, IQE was the, the closest one. And of course, imagination has also disappeared, which yeah. is the other example of a company supplying to Apple. Yeah, so that was an example of why supplying to Apple is can be catastrophic. Imagination Technologies was supplying what was deemed to be a crucial component, but Apple's have managed to make it themselves. They so, got designed out, basically. Yeah, so they don't need Imagination Technologies anymore. Imagine te- imagination crashed and has since been taken over by US private equity. But for now, IQE is doing fine, and analysts are saying that its current dependence on Apple is only going to be in the short term. It, in, in the long term, it's going to be used by other smartphone makers. I, I would have thought applications for, you know, facial recognition are, you know, there's many applications. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. particularly around sort of homeland security type yeah, stuff, you there, would imagine. There's Huge. loads of, yeah. It's called the photonics revolution. That's what they're describing it as. And yeah, like you say, it's going to, it could be in an awful lot of things. And IQE, as the current market leader, is in a very good position to benefit from that. And I suppose the barriers to entry are high. Like, this is very advanced technology. But it's not to say that no one else can do it. And I think that's one of the reasons that the share price has done worse. Uh, But but there is a specific reason why the share price is doing particularly badly, and that's because it's being heavily shorted. It is, yeah. It's now the fourth most shortest stock in the UK. And management are saying, oh, it's just people thinking that there's going to be profit-taking, their hedge funds are betting betting that people are going to start taking profits after a fantastic year, which, I mean, it's fair enough. But they're also, the hedge funds are also worried that there is a rise in competition. And... IQE is so dependent on Apple at the moment and it's so highly valued that any sort of any little bit of bad news is going to send the shares crashing down. So it's now nearly 12% of its shares are being shorted. 12, that's 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 rising. Yeah. Yeah, so well, it was 11.8. But yeah, it is going up and um, Marshall Waste which is a hedge fund um increased its short position well last week uh, to 4.3% and that makes it it has the fifth biggest interest in the company of all on the shareholder register. And it's not just the short sellers either. The, there's a lot of people selling shares. So six of the top 10 highest shareholders on the shareholder reg- ha- register have sold in the last or since November. OK, so I mean, this kind of begs the question, should we follow follow suit and, and get out? Is there any evidence to suggest that these hedge funds know what they're doing? Well, they, they have been proven right before. Their, Carillion was the most shorted stock until it collapsed. I think that was up to about 30%. And a, and a number of um, large shareholders were selling out yeah, at the exactly. same time as well. And I mean, they were proved completely right. But then you've got Ocado. Yeah. <laughs> so Car- where, they've been, where they've not they, done so well. They keep on being just yeah, hurt. The, well, <laughs> I, I say they've thing. not done. The, the shorters the haven't shorters done haven't, so well. Yeah. If, you're, if you're bullish on Ocado, then you do well every time it puts out well. an announcement. But that is one of the reasons why following shorters is risky, or it can be risky, because any little bit of good news the shorters close out their positions so then you've got a short squeeze and the share price is artificially inflated above the degree of how good the news is and if you do have a short position you're going to be hurt more than necessarily is reflective of how good or bad the news is the old short squeeze yeah and that does keep happening at Ocado but yeah there there is definitely evidence from history that suggests that following short sellers isn't actually a bad thing to do and as one of our readers pointed out on the website today the analysts are all saying buy but 
it's the short sellers who've actually got a position in this company. Which one? Which one are you going to follow? The analysts that don't have any skin in the game, or the short sellers that do? Well, what are we doing? We're what are saying, we saying? We are saying sell. Still, it is still falling, and until there's any evidence to suggest that it can keep growing and keep keep performing well and it has to be big evidence as well because it did come up with a trading statement at the end of last year which was a decent trading statement but that did nothing to stem the decline in the share price so until there is some big evidence that it can keep growing i think the share price is just going to keep falling because it is still very expensive as well so yeah iqe uh the dangers of supplying apple yeah absolutely (laughs) the dangers of over optimism yeah and apple Um, has results tonight so uh, all, all eyes on apple this evening Yes, indeed. Well, exciting stuff. I'm sure we'll be covering those in next week's magazine. Yes. Thank you, Megan. So, Simon, let's talk about bargain shares because this is the this is this is one of the most hotly anticipated features of the year, and for good reasons. Well, it's, it's just got a tremendous track record, John. Since um, if you do say so yourself, if I do say so myself, <laughs> since, since, um, since 1999, it's. Um, if you'd actually invested in each annual portfolio and um, your one-year return, on average, that is, is 21%. The, the market, the FTSE All Share Index, has done 4.5% on average for those years. So the outperformance is huge. I mean, yes, it does have some down years. and But, but only four down years in 19, if I... If yeah, I'm that's, that's right correct. Thinking. And last year was another tremendous one. It, it, it did 30%. 304 Thirty point. Get it right, Simon. And actually, even better than that, John, because I took profits in some of the holdings during the year. So anyone that invested, say, £1,000 in each holding, 10 holdings at the start of uh, February 2017, would have a portfolio worth over £10,000 at the end of um, January uh, this year, plus almost £3,000 cash in the bank as well. So um, I risk-adjusted it as well. So it's... When we go into the performance of some of the stocks, you, you, you'll see that anyone actually holding all 10 would have done even better than 30%, which is great. So, so let's talk about why this has been so successful over the years. Um, I guess about the approach that you take, which allows you to to spot these bargain situations. It's, it's a combination of a balance sheet approach to investing. I'm, I'm basically looking for companies where the current assets, less all liabilities, either exceeds the market value of the company, so I'm getting all the fixed assets in for free, or if it doesn't exceed the market value, it's, it's pretty close to it. And so I'm I, basically using a balance sheet approach to investing and a combination of stock picking as well. So I select companies where if I strip out cash on the balance sheets or liquid assets, I'm basically buying the underlying business very, very lowly rated. And if there's any decent news that actually transpires over the holding period, and investors basically readjust their rating on the underlying business, you can see some substantial re-ratings of the share prices. So so it's sort of like a a stock screening approach with a bit of subjective expertise chucked in on top. It it is. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's complete stock screen. Uh, It's based on the um, beliefs of Benjamin Graham, who's the grandfather of... um, value investing, he actually tutored Warren Buffett, the best investor, greatest investor of all time. Never, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll educate you later, John. And, um, but it's, it's based on his, um, his findings in a book called The Intelligent Investor, which is, is a must-read for anyone who's um, taking investing seriously. But also, it's subjective stock picking. I don't just you know pick any old company 
um, that fits the criteria. I, I go into a lot of equity analysis behind these companies before I actually select them. And some just don't pass my criteria, so I'll, I'll give them a wide berth. But um, Bit of gut feel, maybe? So th- sometimes is. things don't feel right. Absolutely. So the, the numbers may all tick the right boxes, but if I'm not happy with the investment case, then I'm not going to put readers into it because it's real money that's invested. And I mean, for example, the 2017 portfolio, I, I watched the trades go through the market. Manchester and London Investment Trust, which was one of the best performing shares last year, it's got a very big tech bias. 50% of its holdings were in the um, US technology stocks, including the FANG stocks like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix and Google. But I, I watched the trades go through the market. A thousand readers bought into that company within the first six or seven trading days. So we're talking a lot of people follow this this feature um, and rely on the insight that I'm trying to give for some of these companies. Mm, I guess that begs another important question when it comes to, I mean, not just your bargain share portfolio, but your, your recommendations generally, is that sometimes the market gets ahead of where you are as an investor and the price that you, you've tipped, you've recommended stuff at, you can't get. But but I but I think there's an important lesson to be learned here from some of the older portfolios. Well, there's there's two lessons. One, sometimes the share price comes back. In the case of often, Ma- often it does. In respect of the sort of speculative buying, washes out of the market and and actually it sort of settles at a, a, a kind of re- a real price, as it were. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, for example, Manchester and London, most people actually were able to buy sub £3. Um, it was recommended roughly about £2.90. So they were paying at most 3% above the magazine price. And with the share price roughly £4.80 today, 60% above that level, then they, they've done well if they were just holding buys, hold investors, plus dividends on top of that, by the way. I mean, let, let's talk about your uh, 2017 portfolio. We don't want to talk too much about the 2018 one. You've got to buy the magazine for that. But uh, 2017, great year. Um, there's uh, a four-page review uh, in the magazine of what happened last year. I mean, give us a couple of the highlights from uh, from, from last year's uh, superb effort. Well, the best performing share was something called Chariot Oil and Gas. It's uh, Oil Explorer in uh, Morocco offshore and Namibia as well. It did this farm out with INI, the global oil company, uh, which completed just over a year ago. And when I selected that company, it had $25 million in the bank, no doubt. Well, that $25 million in the bank post this farm out was basically worth its market cap alone. So investors at the time were saying that there was zero possibility of this company hitting pay dirt on any of the drilling, which Eni was basically going to carry Chariot on. Chariot retained a 10% interest in this Moroccan prospect. And I, I just thought that was being overly cautious because the, even if the drilling didn't hit pay dirt, there, there was always a chance that you know it, it would actually generate some gains. And people have reassessed it, uh, which is why the share price has gone from 8 pence to 22 pence in the last year. And as it happens, the drilling programme is just about to begin now. So we won't have long to wait to see whether or not those um, investors who actually bought into charity are, uh, are going to get even bigger gains. Um, I did actually top slice the holding. I, t- I took 111% profits after 10 weeks on that investment. Um, Coward. 
<laughs> well, it's you know, it's, it's risk adjusting the portfolio, John. I, I you know, jest, Simon. I you jest. know, when, when you double your money in two months or three months, then you know it doesn't happen that often. And I, I kept some skin in the game. I kept a third of the holding in. But I mean, that did incredibly well. The other one that did well is Crossrider. It's we've talked about this before in some of the podcasts. It um, does internet security, for example. Um, it protects your computer against uh, viruses. It offers software products that people can actually buy. It's got a business which offers a VPN, which is basically a security pass for data traffic over the uh, the internet. And when I saw this a year ago, it had cash in the bank equating to 80% of the market cap. Brokers at the time thought that it could increase its pre-tax profits roughly 15%. Well, actually, it's going to increase its pre-tax profits in 2017, that is, by 30%. So it's actually outperformed. And the trading update, pre-close trading update ahead of the results in March was very bullish indeed. When I saw this stock a year ago, you could have bought net of cash on the balance sheet, the shares roughly for about three times forward earnings. Share price is up about 40%. Uh, cash in the bank is still half of the market cap. So now it's about 10 times forward earnings net of cash. So basically, you see multiple expansion on this. People have re-rated the shares, A, because they've been outperforming operationally, uh, but they've actually warmed to the investment case. Classic earnings upgrade cycle, plus the re-rating that comes with it. Exactly. And the security for me uh, 12 months ago was the fact that cash in the balance sheet was 80% of the market cap. So if this company could deliver the cash profits, pre-tax profits that analysts were predicting, there's only one way the share price was going to go, and that was up. And I Mm. still think there's more upside to it. Um, That's Crossrider. Another classic one that's done well is BATM Advanced Communications. Batman! Batman, yes, you, you know, like you've got to been around a while to uh, to remember that. that uh, ba- this is a company's been around for years. It, it has, and years. I mean, uh, it's about the nineties. Absolutely, I remember it in the dot com boom, and it was worth a humongous amount of money back then. And uh, not not quite so much now. Uh, well, no, because when I included the the shares were about eighteen pence a year ago, and the market cap would have been roughly about sixty five million pounds. Whereas back in the late 90s, this was a half a billion pound yeah. company. But it was what, just... what wasn't? Well, well exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but but the, the reason I was attracted to it was that they've got this cyber division, cyber security and networking division, and they've been working on proof of concept trials with governments and government agencies in multiple countries. And they've been winning contracts. They, last autumn, announced a $35 million contract win um, that was the fourth government contract for cybersecurity they've they've won. They've been investing in um, other areas such as um, medical diagnostic equipment companies, and some of those subsidiaries are being chronically undervalued on the balance sheet. When you actually look at what other companies have actually bought stakes in these subsidiaries at, and basically a year ago, when I stripped out cash. And the value of just one subsidiary, I was getting the rest of the business for free, including this cyber and network division, which has just been winning all these contracts. Do, do, do you think people sort of underplay this company because it has this past where it was a you know massively overrated uh, dot com company? 
basically. That's perhaps one of the reasons. And also, Jam Tomorrow, we will deliver. We've got this technology. But, but, it's, all, but it makes part, it's a profitable company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to, I mean, according to the latest analyst forecast, I, I, and I'm sure it's going to do it. This year, cash profits for about $4 million. It's got cash in the bank. It's been It's got hidden value on the balance sheet as well, John, because a year ago, I'd noted that they were selling some of the properties that they owned in Israel for way above book value. Well, at the end of 2017, they did the same again. They, they sold properties with book value of $3.9 million. They sold those properties for almost $10 million. And I reckon it's got cash, $28 million, which is roughly about 20% of its market cap now. And it still owns properties which are being valued way below the open market value. Um, Stakes in these subsidiaries, which have got some pretty exciting technology, I'm still positive on it, despite the fact it's actually gone up so much. I see see what it has got is uh, management continuity. I, uh, I met... Uh, Dr. Zvi Marom years years ago. He was chief executive. He's, he must have been there for the best part of a decade or more. I, I think we're knocking on for almost two decades, yeah, John. Yeah, two decades. must be two decades. This is, I mean, that's that's amazing. And um, and he's got a financial interest. He's, he's got a big stake in the company as well. So, which is it's always a good thing to actually see the boards having a great financial interest in a company. We like to see skin in the game. Um, should we... Should we uh, I mean... We, so it's obviously a great year for the for the bargain shares portfolio and pretty much everything beat the market in the portfolio, with the exception of two companies. Uh, just two companies. Two companies. Let's One. talk about those because, because I think it's important to look at what didn't go so well and see what, what lessons can be learned from that. Well, the first one is Management Consulting Group. Um, it does, as its name says, it's a management consultant and it sold off um, some very profitable businesses, slimmed down and it's left with one operation. As a result of that, when I put it into the portfolio, it had cash in the bank for about £38 million. So that's in excess of the market cap 12 months ago. The reason we could actually buy the company so cheaply, so in effect, there was a investors were ascribing a negative net worth to the business was because it was loss making. And my view was that if this is specifically the North American part of their management consulting business could turn around, then clearly the shares would be worth um, a valuation above cash in the bank. And that would actually drive a re-rating. Well, it's taken longer than expected. And losses that were £10 million in 2016 have only dropped to £8.8 million last year. That's the latest guidance from brokers at Peel Hunt. And as a result, the cash pile, which was £38 million at the end of 2016, is now £24 million or thereabouts now. Now, that's still 75% of the share price. So it's heavily cash back and Pill Hunt do forecast a small pre-tax loss of just under a million pounds in 2018. That's based on revenues increasing from 43 million to 49 million pounds. Well, the company might do that. But my view now is that the recovery is taking longer than I'd anticipated. Yes, the cash and the balance sheet supports the share price, but I can see better turnaround prospects out there at the moment for your cash. And that's why I'm suggesting investors who bought around the six, six and a half pence mark last year basically sell and crystallise a small loss at this level. Okay, so not great, but but there was worse. Um, yeah, sorry to raise it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 hand, hands up, John. I, I, you know, I, I, I either overestimated the potential for Tyso Blackstar, which is a South African-focused investment company, to sell off its non-core assets quicker than 
they have done. Yeah, no, I, I'll be I'll I'll be straight. I have I have um, overestimated that um, they, they're still in the process of selling off a major asset, which is eighty eight million pounds. That's significant. The so, mo- so what, what attracted you to the to the shares in this company in the first place? I mean, what what was it you you saw that that hasn't materialised? Well, the idea was for the company to sell off three non core assets and use the proceeds to build up its media interests. In, in South Africa, it owns media titles including the sunday times business day financial mail it's got interest in television films radio stations and it wanted to become a sole media player and um well that sounds like a good business i mean you know we've we, in this country we've, we've seen all sorts of shenanigans going on around sky and entertainment one and you know the, the, oh, it is. sports rights i mean this should be a it is, lucrative it is. lucrative investment i know I, I had a good look at the latest um full year results and you know cash profits from its media operations were up a third in sterling, that is, um, that was a good result. The, the reason the share price is down is that the divestment process of actually selling a chunky £88 million stake in another South African investment company has just dragged on and on and on and on. And now Tyso will actually get its cash over a period of 12 to 18 months in an instalment, which is not ideal, which means that this change in focus purely to a solely media company um, is taking longer than I'd anticipated. That said, with the shares trading roughly on a 40-odd percent discount net asset value and the deal in place to actually sell off this chunky stake in this other investment company, I'm still going to keep faith with it because Tyso's media operations are doing well. Absolutely. I mean, do you, do you think, I mean, this is a South African-focused company and, and, and that's not had, a, I mean, the South African economy generally has not had a a particularly easy year. Has that, has that had an effect here? Yeah, I, I think investor sentiments may have been affected in the past 12 months by what's gone on in South Africa. And um, some investors who may have bought in 12 months ago may have called time on it, especially as it, you know the share price of Tyso hasn't performed well at all. But you know, it's, it's offering a dividend. It's on a discount net asset value. It's, it does have hugely profitable media operations. And I see no reason not to keep faith. Actually sounds quite interesting. Well, actually, the, the interesting thing about it, John, is that, which I said at the start of the podcast, that the 2016 portfolio delivered 11%. The FTSE All share in that year delivered 19%. Well, the 2016 portfolio has kicked on. It's now at 46%, way ahead of the FTSE All share. And part of the reason for that is some of the laggards I've just been re-rated. Well, this, I mean, and this is not unusual with bargain shares portfolios for, for the constituents to, to in later years really start to motor. I know, absolutely. I mean, for example, from the 2016 portfolio, and it's a company we've talked about quite a bit, is Biquel. It's, you know, um, hospital the, uh, wipes yeah. for decontamination. Su- and super bugs. Super bugs. Well, you know, in 2017, February 2017, you could have bought shares of Biquel for roughly what I said by... In 2016, £1.25. Price now, three times that. So, so the bargain case persists, even if sentiment has perhaps worsened, and, and sentiment has a habit of turning. I, I, absolutely. And just because there's value that hasn't been acknowledged in a share price in a 12-month period doesn't mean to say it won't be acknowledged in 15 months or 18 months or two years. If the rationale behind the investment made sense in the first place, and clearly for lots of the companies in the 2017 portfolio it has, which is why it's up 30%, then it 
pace to actually stick with it, mm-hmm. which is why out of all the companies I've actually mentioned in the 2017 portfolio, the only one that I'm actually bailing out of is management consulting because it's just taking far longer to turn around that business than I anticipated. On the others, I'm, I'm not banking profits on them because I can still see value there. Mm. And you continue to update these in your weekly column. And in fact, you continue continue to update a lot of shares that you've looked at over the years going back many years in your in your weekly column so so a lot of these are still live situations absolutely so it's constant stream of updates john i i look at uh, pre-close trading updates half year results full year results annual meetings the online column i'm going to produce um on monday the 5th of february i spoke to the finance director of a certain company after the annual meeting and it's uh, looking at raising funds and I was going through various things with the finance director at the time. Um, So I I do update lots of companies throughout the year and companies that I've covered years ago and I update those a lot of times. I I think I produced in 2017 something like 400 different company articles. It's just extraordinary. Um, Well, I I try and keep... You're you're a bargain yourself, (laughs) sir. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I hope readers feel that they're getting a decent, um, a decent amount of analysis for their money. So. I think they are. We are. We're obviously not going to give you the names away for the 2018 portfolio. Are there any? I mean, yeah, beyond the the, the general financial attributes that we're looking for in relation to the kind of Graham type type approach you take, are there any themes that have emerged here that you want to you think are noteworthy? I've been able to select some cash rich companies where roughly. 80 to 85% of the market cap is backed by cash simply because they're under the radar. That the market cap, even if investors don't normally look at 30, 40 million pound companies, the market cap is below the radar of fund managers and that's why they're out of favour. doesn't mean to say the businesses, there's anything wrong with them. Actually, the, the top company in this year's portfolio, if it meets anything like what analysts are expecting it to do in 2018-19, it's an unbelievable bargain. Mm. Basically, if you strip out cash from the market cap, you're getting a company that's going to generate £2.6 million worth of pre-tax profits in 2018, and you're paying £4 million for it. Extraordinary, really. I mean, just looking at the list, your biggest company there is £258 million. The smallest is 17.5. Still, All still quite small. Uh, they are quite small. I mean, what you've also got to bear in mind is that um, markets have rallied quite significantly. So um, it's not as if um, you can buy companies where the market cap exceeds the uh, current assets, less or liabilities. And you've got a huge selection of companies that actually meet that criteria. You do at the beginning of uh, bull markets, uh, but not necessarily at the mature end of them. Mm, so there's an interesting I've, thought. I've, I've focused on small caps. It's my hunting ground. And as you know, the numerous securities annual um, review into reporting to small cap shows, small caps over the long term generates excess returns above other sectors of the market and it's an area I specialise in which is why I've focused on companies as you say between 17 and 250 million pound market cap. But you're taking on a little bit of extra risk to do it. Just like uh, Indiana Jones who's, um, uh, who, who's inspired the artwork for this uh, for this year's bargain shares. Well, you know... Where's your, where's your whip? <laughs> 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 to, to, to generate high returns, you've got to take on some type of risk. And uh, the risk I take, for example, Management Consulting Group, 
the one that underperformed in 2017 was the risk that's the execution risk that management can actually turn around that that company. And but no, I, I'm I'm really comfortable with the ten I've selected, John. I, I, they I look spent, good. I, I think they look good as 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 a portfolio of ten companies. And I, I I'd stress this for any reader actually looking at them. But buy several of them. Don't just buy one because you might buy the one that's Tyso Blackstar from 2017 rather than Chariot Oil and Gas, which almost trebled in value but buy a selection of them because the theory behind all of them? it well if you can buy all of them great but what i say is that some people's risk appetites they may not want to buy mm. certain companies it's down to the individual what what i see as a sensible investment others may not be comfortable with no quite absolutely investing is a very personal business but this is, this is a great starting point so thank you simon so it's another great bargain shares we hope Oh, it's I, a great, it's a great read. That's for sure. I, I, Let's I, hope the performance follows. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm more than comfortable with this, John. I, I was more than comfortable with my 2017 portfolio and did a 2016, and I'm, I'm very happy with this one too. Good. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Right. That is. Uh, that's. That's pretty much all we've got time for uh, this week. I mean, uh, Bargain Shares dominates the magazine. So usually I read through all the other features we've got, and this this week it's mostly Bargain Shares. It's about 17 pages. Um, I haven't counted. I did count them. I, it's it's it, a lot of words, isn't it, Simon? I, I think it's about 13,000 words, John. It's, hey. it's, it's a lot. Yeah, that's, it's uh, it's great. 13,000 words of, uh, of of pure insight, which is going to hopefully deliver some great returns. Thank you, Simon. Um, we do have some other stuff in the magazine, obviously. Another column from Simon, of course. Uh, alongside comment from Chris uh, Dillo and uh, the, the trader comment from uh, Colin from Nicole. Results starting to crank up, so there's a few more results in the mag this week, uh, along with some other bits and bobs of news. There you go. Lots in the personal finance and fun section, which they'll talk about on their podcast tomorrow. But uh, thank you for listening. Bargain Shares 2018. Get to your news agent quickly. Get your bull whip out. Get your uh, leather jacket on. <laughs> Go hunting for those hidden value shares. Um, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.